Hello and welcome to the Zwift SBS podcast. Zwift is the app that connects you to cyclists all over the world and makes indoor training fun. There are structured workouts, training plans that are really easy to follow, online group rides, and why not try a few races? You can also organize a meetup with a bunch of friends. You might just have to make your own coffee at the end. With Zwift, you can even listen to this podcast while you ride around the Champs-Élysées. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free seven-day trial, no strings attached, at Zwift.com. Ride on. Bonjour, bonjour, buongiorno. Welcome to the Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Uh, before we start, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash sport or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me is Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? I'm pretty good. I got did, my... did you like my little antics? Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> uh, I got my voting early. Election. Happy election day, everyone. How, I hope how it's... early? Yesterday, in fact. I, I got it four days early. Yeah, mate, that's uh, a little bit, that's a bit <laughs> crazy. But uh, did you have a sausage? No, they didn't do any sausage at the time. Uh, but but, but <laughs> you're practical because you know, so Australians don't understand, you can have a sausage any other day. Exactly. <laughs> we think that we can only have it on election day. Yeah, yeah no, I didn't no. have one either. <laughs> and actually joining us all the way from uh, election central, it's Gracie Elvin, just because it's Canberra. How are you, Gracie? <laughs> Ciao, ciao, guys. Yes, back uh, coming from Canberra, although most police don't live here, so I didn't get to spot any today. Did have a an election sausage, but you can also get them at Bunnings. Remember that? Yeah, it's true. That's it's true. true. Oh, how fortunate for you that most of the police don't <laughs> live in Canberra. I, I guess at some point they have to pretend or show their face into their constituency. <laughs> so anyway, this is enough of politics. That's enough of politics. <laughs> or yep. is it? Or is it? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, we had a great stage yesterday uh, and some funny thing happened in that stage. Yeah, it was, look, it was always that 50-50 yeah. stage. Breakaway, survive, or will the sprinters get it all back together in the end? It was damn good. Um, I won't give anything away. No, should we, we just yeah? Should we just watch it? Launch into it. Yeah, let's watch uh, the finale. The analysis by Mark Renshaw. Right at this moment, he senses he's too far back. He needs to jump early if he's a chance to win this stage. But he's got to step around Fernando Gaviria's lead-out man, Richesi, and this is going to cost him a little bit of speed. We can see Cavendish has already had to do at least 15 pedal strokes full gas just to get to the back wheel of Arno Demar. You've got Rochese who swung out. He nearly got collected, but then it's Fernando Garviria. He's committed. He's in the wheel of Demar, and he sees the inside line. Down the barrier, he knows he's got a jump. But further back, it's the Israel Premier Tech rider of Nitzolo. Watch as he goes. He's just going to go backwards in today's stage, and that's the thing that probably cost Bauhaus the victory. And Arno Demar, he can taste the victory. He can see the finish line, and there's nobody close to coming around him. He's got Fernando Garviria on his right-hand side, but he just drifts that little bit to the right, and that closes down Fernando, and he loses a little bit of momentum. Mark Cavendish in the wheel. He has one final dig down the left-hand side of Arno Demar, but watch. Phil Bauhaus down the right. He gets an extremely good run. He stays in the wheels, pops out at the last moment, and he's very close to taking the victory from Arno Demar. 
but all Group Armour FDJ showing they had the absolute strongest lead-out train and the best sprinter in this year's Giro. You can see here Arno Demar and Phil Bauhaus. Their legs are better than anybody else in the final today. We can see Nizzolo. He had the wheel of Fernando Garviria, probably in the best position, and he faded just inside the top 10. Mark Cavendish, Consoni, Garviria, they're all in the seat. Their legs are spent after 13 days in the Giro. And Arno Demar powers to the finish line, the strongest and the fastest sprinter of this year's Giro. And I was, of course, Mark Renshaw. I think everything said about this uh, sprint. And, of course, Arne Neymar, on his third win of, uh, of the year, he's got the jersey well and truly on his shoulders, do you think? Yeah, I think so. He, I needs, mean, he needs to finish, but... Yeah, he, he's got to finish and anything can happen. But, Gracie, um, when Mark Renshaw says Demar is the quickest, three stages tells the story, but he, he is, isn't he? He's on fire. I'm just loving Mark Renshaw's breakdown of the sprints. Um, I personally, if I'm watching the stage highlights, I'll go back and keep repeating over and over again every 15 seconds because I really want to see the breakdown of how sprints work because you just can't see everything all at once. So Mark does such a good job in explaining who is doing what and where. And he's right. Uh, Demar is having a ripper tour so far, a ripper Giro, I should say, and but really his team as well are just delivering him. He doesn't have to see any other riders really until right on the line where they pass him because he's got his hands up in the air. And well, well, I'm interested in your take, Gracie, on um, Mark Cavendish. We've had <laughs> multiple discussions. <laughs> we're, we've, we're almost about to secure a sponsor for a special <laughs> segment about Cavendish, whether or not he'll go to the tour. But, but it, jokes aside, uh, obviously no Michael Morku. And there was a question on Twitter, and Maddie Keenan alerted me to this a few days ago. The question from someone was, it was a serious question, has Mark Cavendish won a Grand Tour stage without Michael Morku? Well, he, he I has, don't know the answer. Well, he has with Mark Renshaw. <clears throat> he has, but with Michael Morku. No, without him at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah at okay. Grand Tour. So that's, a, that's just something for everyone to ponder. But, yeah, what's your take on him, Cav, now? And his potential participation at the at TDF. Cav is a scrapper and he watching him in that particular sprint was really interesting. You know, he has that white line fever and don't discount him. He can still possibly take home that last sprint stage. I think that's stage 18 in the Giro, but they're going to have to get through some hilly stages before then. I think he's done a pretty good job here at the Giro so far. Not exactly what they were hoping for with the quick step team, especially losing uh, Michael Morkov. So it's really up to Cav to kind of get back into that rawness of his sprinter energy. And he was doing that in that sprint, but he just had a few people in the way. He was probably a few too many wheels back and he had to, you know, dive around a couple of riders. So he's got the speed. He was coming with some good speed there. So I think he's he's not coming off his prime just yet, in my opinion. But it's a it's a political question at the end of the day whether the quick step take him to the the Tour de France or not really. A political question Ooh. on election day. <laughs> Gracie, stop it. Um <laughs> Who would you take? Who would you t right now? Who would you select? Look, I am a. I hate to be on the fence on this one, so I'm going to go 
for taking Cav because he just brings a bit of an entertainment value. I think he's mm. got such a great backstory. People know his name. They want him to win or lose, whether you love him or hate him. You want to watch to see what he does. And for sure, they, they need to be developing that next generation of sprinters. But why not take Cav when he's still, you know, at the top of his game and can deliver? He delivered so well last year. Why wouldn't you try and recreate that again? And if you fail, you fail. Like it's, mm. I think that to bring an extra character to the Tour de France is only a good thing for the storyline. Yeah. All right. uh, let All us right. know, actually. We'll uh, take that on board. Let us know on the couch, uh, Paulotin, if you uh, want Cav, if you'd rather have anybody else going to the, to the Tour de France. I'd love to have Cavendish as well because I want to see you interviewing him <laughs> again. I just want to go. Our producer <laughs> thinks I have this. What does she call it? Uh, special link. I think it was well, special she, relationship. She, um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. She thinks, and I'm like, oh, no. I mean, I, nah, look, I don't, I, don't, I don't really have a strong opinion either way <laughs> of Mark Cavendish, but um, I'd be taking Jakobsen. For okay. the record, so yeah, we're at loggerheads. Gracie. For me, it doesn't matter because uh, you know whoever takes it, they're probably going to win a couple of stages. True, so, yeah, you'd think so. You know, you'd at the end so. of the day, yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, Phil Barhaus, let's yeah, talk about, uh, about that sprint yesterday. Uh, and and Gracie, when you saw him coming on the right hand side, as we saw, uh, sheer power. Demar was quicker, but were you surprised to see how quick Phil Barhaus was? He was. He had that nice inside line. But it, as we've seen in so many sprints in the past, that's a really risky place to be. It opened up for him and he was kind of able to run through some of the slip streams that were very quickly disappearing to carry that speed through. He looked like he's got great power and speed. Uh, he was probably, as Renshaw mentioned, he was a bit too far back a bit earlier on in that sprint and, and that was probably what cost him the win. So for sure we can look to see him winning some sprints in the not too distant future. Um, but yeah, another great player for the, the sprint game at the moment. Yeah, it's incredible. They With keep, very they keep little support in. too. Yeah, yeah um, But they keep popping in. Yeah, they keep popping in, uh, it's the next, it's the gen. They've arrived already, but mm -hmm. with Danese's victory, you know, a couple of days back. But the Giro um, gives you that though. Yeah. The Giro, uh, it's probably harder to win at the Tour. We said this, if you know, Cavendish there, there's, but it seems that the Giro is giving more opportunities to lesser-known sprinters or sprinters that are maybe not at Yeah, on, on I mean, yeah, it's, and it's a sort of, not necessarily neo pros, but yeah, it's the young sprinters. It's, the, it's a pretty good breeding ground for them. You know, you drop them into the Tour first year, yeah. first yeah. Grand Tour, it can be a bit overwhelming, I think. With the with the, the crowds, the whole hype of the tour. Whereas the Giro, look at Gavria, what he did. First stage, first tour, first yellow. Yeah, was that Tour de France? Yeah, Tour de France. Yeah, yeah wow. First stage, first tour for. Uh, yeah. First stage, yeah, first tour, first stage, yes. first yellow. Yeah, brilliant. So, yeah. Anyway, let's listen to Phil Barhaus. It was a hard and fast day. Uh, we catch a breakaway, I think, like 500 meters to go. And uh, yeah, it was like the last kilometer slightly uphill, so it was super hard. Uh, yeah, the team could position me quite well, uh, one and a half kilometer to go, and yeah, I I could start my sprint uh, at this time. Luckily, a free free sprint, so I could show what's possible for me. But uh, yeah, I'm super disappointed for second place. I mean, uh, yeah, obviously it's a good result, but if you're so close, then uh, you want to take the win also for the team here. I think uh, would have been nice. Um, but yeah, it is like it is. I think there's one more chance for sprinters, so maybe I can do one place better next time. 
sure he can do uh, one place better next time. How many chances has he got, though, at least on this one tour? More. One more. That's about it. <laughs> Probably only one more. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's funny because he says super disappointing. You say, well, mate, you've only just arrived on the scene. But he came at a rate of knots at the end. Yeah. Granted, he had that sort of real slipstream sit. But, yeah, he 10 more metres, he was the winner of the stage. And do, um, do you think, do you think actually, uh, Gracie, question for you, do you think Demar did not see him coming at all on his right? So maybe Demar sort of didn't drop the speed, but he, would he really have been surprised for 10 more meters to, to go on his right-hand side? I think Demar actually was running out of legs because, you know, he had a great lead-out from his team, but he was still catching a little bit more wind than everybody else because they were so far forward. So I think Demar and the team did a perfect job for how exactly the, where the line was and he wouldn't have had much left in the tank, I think. And, you know, that's that's the nature of sprinting. Bauhaus had a lot more sit for a lot longer and, of course, you're going to come with more speed later. So in some ways you can't quite compare that kind of sprint in the way that FDJ did it and everyone else yeah, let's talk about FDJ actually. So Demar third win this year. A couple of years back, I think is last year or two years ago, he's won the Cyclamena jersey. He won four stages. Four stages, yeah. yeah. So it's it's not uncharted territory for him, but it's already a good tour uh, or good Giro for for him because remember two weeks ago he came to the Giro with zero, nothing on the year. Yeah. His last win was Paris Tour the year before, so it's obviously. A good Giro, they'd already achieved this. But are you surprised? Uh, not really. I mean, he's a. There, there's a, you're always going to get. I feel bro, uh, Brody, sorry, Gracie. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel like you're going to get one sprinter that sort of stands up. I, I think we see it at Grand Tours nowadays. One of the sprinters stands up above the rest. Um, I think rarely we see, you know, mm-hmm. the sprint stages absolutely evenly spread out. Demar's got a track record. Sure, like you say, he hadn't win won much um, this year. since like this year at all. But so no, for me, I'm not. What about you, Gracie? Yeah, I think that they would have had a very clear goal with um, Demar with the team, and they've got the, the guys around him. Even much earlier on in the stages, they're they're using certain routes to control the pace, so they're saving exactly who they want to save for the lead out. So they're being very calculated, very intentional with who they've taken to this race and how they use each person. So, of course, Damar is in some great form, but it's the confidence around him as well that's really making all the difference. Yeah. And actually around him, there's a, an Aussie that is very important. We spoke to him uh, several times. He's Smile Scottson. He's uh, done a great job. He's done a great, great job yesterday. Uh, let's listen to him. We still had a bit of the train there for Arno in the end. But kind of the idea of keeping big lead outs like you normally see in the sprint just went out the window. Like you had you had lead out guys from Israel um, pulling at 20k to go. Like it was just every us three teams. We really had to use everyone to to try and bring that back. And when I saw like the faces on some of my teammates that were pulling off about 20k to go done, I was like, holy shit! I hope I really hope this comes back together and we win because. They've just done like such a big effort. So take us through your uh, that, that last you know, UK with you. What was it, with your role? Um, well, I mean, we were sitting there just kind of listening to the time gaps, and uh, 
I think our last guy performed me, Colonel Lover, is normally he's kind of such a train. He, he was done at about six, seven k to go. There was none left because he'd just been pulling so much. And I think around 5k to go, I didn't say anything, but I had the feeling like I have to start pulling now. I just looked over my shoulder at, uh, at uh, Garnieri and Arno, and all I got was a nod. I didn't even say anything, and they just gave me the nod, and I was like, ah, I have to start pulling here. So, um, um, yeah, but then. I could see them ahead coming into the about 2k to go as we went up that little ramp and then um, I was still able to kind of, it wasn't even a lead out, I was just, I was just chasing them in front and started about, again, I was swapping turns, started about 1.7k to go before that left hander and then we took it all the way to the line but uh, it was really close but a massive effort, yeah. Congratulations, thank you. Yeah. Thanks John, cheers. So as a mild Scotson, a quick notice, someone was definitely holding the hose on this one. Uh, the election plans are cut. <laughs> we have to today. <laughs> that is true. That's it's a good, good one. to though. see someone working, holding Someone's the hose. holding the hose in this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, step aside on this. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, I oh had to. Oh, my God. <laughs> We've been like this all day. That's yeah, <laughs> Grace, is, she's already sick of us. She's like, I can see she's frowning. She's like, yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah. Such a dad joke. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Gracie, Mike Scotson super important for the role of that train because he's got an essential key role in uh, in his positioning for Demar. That's right. And we've talked about it already, but Miles's position in the lead out is almost a captain of the lead out. So he's not the last guy in front of Demar. He's the one kind of in the middle of the train. So in those moments when they do have a full lead out, he's giving instructions forward as well as receiving them from behind. And in the situation such as the last stage, he they're using that body language to talk to each other okay i've got to do my turn a lot earlier than what i would like now but they're able to communicate like so quickly and easily that's a huge testament to how much they've worked on that as a team and how much they trust each other and man they must be super fit to be pulling that hard for that long and that's probably coming from some of his track background i think that's very helpful so very important to have a guy like Miles in the team, not just from those physical capabilities, but because he's able to look around and to hear things, to talk, to take things as they come and be flexible. And just um, just uh, still on Miles, and I think we might have touched on this, Gracie, um, earlier on in the on the Giro. Um, Simon Gerrans, I think, made the point. You know, he won the national road title mm. and he signed for BMC. And he sort of got a little bit lost there and maybe they expected a bit too much from him and he didn't have a really defined role. I'm loving seeing Miles now because, Gracie, you know as well as I do, he and his brother, they were, they were stars. They were stars in the making. They've got a natural, naturally good engine. So, you know, it'd be a bit of a travesty if they didn't sort of make it into the pro ranks and, and make their mark on the sport of cycling. So it's just great to see him playing a really... Uh, strong role in, in in victories, isn't it? It really is. Both Miles and Callum are very quiet achievers, but they have a lot of talent. But they, you know, that I think that they're happy to take on those team roles, but they're capable of winning big races as well. So I think hopefully the FTJ team here and there over the next few years, if he stays there, that they'll give him some opportunities to go for a couple of wins himself in some of the smaller tours because he's more than capable of it in lots of different settings, in a breakaway or potentially in a bunch sprint himself. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah and they're probably both good to have around as well. Apparently, I've seen it on the Detour podcast. They play the guitar very well. Uh, Callum does. Callum does. Yeah. Callum, yeah. Oh. I, I saw. I actually, two and out under. I think the one just gone doing the venue announcing. And Gracie, oh, no, you, you, I think you'd gone home, had you by then? For the men's, Callum came up, and I'd seen him post something on Insta. And I said, hey, mate, next year, guitar. bring the guitar. <laughs> I, want, I want you to do something. And he said, okay, I will. So I'm holding him to it. <laughs> uh, okay, let's have a, uh, before we look at uh, the standings and so on, uh, this is a nice photo, a nice, nice picture. We, we Look at those kids. Yeah. They, both of them, Mayo Rosa, winner of the stage, Chiclamena, just, just being kids, being fans. Watching out the sprint, yeah. Lopez is going. Ah, oh, that's how you sprint. That's <laughs> what I want to be one day. He's he's like fifty five kilos, <laughs> ringing wet, and he's like, wow. No, it is. It's pretty cool. It's. Uh, I said the other night, Gracie. Um, I'm loving this generation, and I'm not sure if it's the same in the women. I'm really interested in your take on this, just in the men. And I'm I'm on the outside of the bubble as you are recently now, but. I feel like we've got a really respectful generation coming through that have respect for each other, like massive rivals. But there's, I feel like there's a lot more respect than generations prior, and I, I'm not sure what it is. I just think, I think it's this gen that's coming through, and it's a really enjoyable uh, group to watch. Yeah, that's a really good point, Macker. I'm not sure what it is either. Maybe it's just because there's so much information, so much knowledge out there that no one's keeping as many secrets anymore. And it's more like people training together who are on different teams. Uh, you're allowed to talk about power. People posting their power all the time and their stats. People using Zwift and Strava. I think that there's just so much out there. You just crying is cool now and caring is cool. And, you know, it's mm. cool to see those guys getting exciting. Watch watching that, that sprint at the end. They care about their sport. They're fans of their sport. They like to enjoy it together. There's a lot of camaraderie. You see it a lot in mountain biking too. You, they're, they're going neck to neck and, you know, <laughs> hurting each other out on that battlefield. But afterwards they're patting each other on the back. They're shaking hands. They're hugging. So it, I don't know. I think there's some really good vibes going on in, in certainly in road cycling now and yeah I really agree with you Macra I think that the next generation coming through has a bit of respect for each other but also for the sport and and what it takes to be the best because you really just cannot cut any corners anymore because that level is so high yeah, yeah and 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 just um something that backs that up and this is quite a few years ago yeah now you'd remember this Julian Alaphilippe when he was really just hitting his straps, you know, as, as a superstar. He went up to Valverde in one of his early, his first, I think, mm. race that he did with Valverde, uh, Gracie, and he wanted, he wanted a photo with Valverde, <laughs> Julian Alaphilippe, who, you know, because Valverde was his hero. Yeah. And then he, beats, he beat Valverde, I think, at Flesh Wallone. And it was like, you know, that was his <laughs> ultimate sort of thing. But the respect, uh, yeah. you know. A kid who could almost be Valverde's son. Probably, actually. <laughs> he might have been 18 when he had him. But, yeah, yeah. Still, yeah, still but it's cool. Possible. It was a cool little thing yeah. that, that you definitely did not see in my era, I no, can tell you that. Not at all. Oh, I was no. in awe of – I was lucky. I'd be in the same races as guys like Claudio Cupucci. He was in his very last year. And I'd look across and go, oh, my God. That's Cupucci. That's one of my heroes. Yeah. But there's no way I'm going to go up and talk to him. You know, <laughs> okay. it was, it's just a different thing. But, yeah, it is. It's really cool. Let's have a look at the rankings here. Uh, and one thing to notice, and I've held about 24 minutes on it, there is no Roman Bardet. 
Um, as uh, I'm as uh, devastated I, as you. I, uh, yeah, I was pretty bad, to be honest. It's so sad to see him go. Uh, and I'm sure Gracie would have been the same. In the end, he's been taken by a, a stomach bug. Uh, can you tell us and explain to us that fine line in between super fit and being prone to catch disease like a stomach bug? It is a, such a fine line that a lot of professional riders have to tread because for these grand tours, you've put so much work in. You've put months of work in. You've done a lot of strength work in the off-season, a lot of volume, but you're really tuning up the engine coming into big tours, even one-day races. And a lot of these riders are trying to be lean as well, and that's also a huge game to play it's not a game actually i shouldn't use that word because it's serious yeah. and you need to do it properly but some people have a whole team around them of nutritionists and uh, masseurs phys uh, physios a coach a manager making sure they have access to all the data so everyone's seeing everything all the time and even then you can just get it wrong and the riders are traveling through public transport all the time they're in airports all the time airplanes trains cabs it's really tough to, to miss all the germs. And now we're in this COVID era. We're so more used to wearing masks and hand sanitizer, but cyclists have been doing that for years. Maybe not so much the masks, but we have, you know, trained ourselves to always be using hand sanitizer, always washing hands, staying away from sick riders. There'll always be a room for a rider in a team to be isolated too if they're sick. So there's, there's always been protocols for that, but sometimes you just can't avoid it, unfortunately. And the yeah. stomach bugs, they're the, the worst ones. So I'm feeling for him. <laughs> yeah, it was reported in the French press that he, he, he got temperature up to 40 degrees on the actual day yesterday. Uh, and he started anyway, but he just could not pedal. And he, he lied down on the floor when he, before retiring for a few minutes. He just... So this is on the road, on the road. as in he's, he's pulled he, off the road. He and pulled off the road and he sat down and actually put his back on, waiting for the car for a few minutes where he was cooked, done, and it's, finished. it's been warm weather, yeah. hot weather. I mean, any sort of weather doesn't help. But, but hot weather when you've got a bug yeah. or a virus. But it bugs the question now because you know the coach Peloton, we will ask this question, but does that mean Bardet will go and perform at the Tour de France? Can he? Too late? No. Picking. No, I don't think it's too late. I don't, what are we stage? We're stage. So he's done. 40, 30, he's done 40, yeah. thirteen and a half, or yeah, yeah twelve yeah. and a half. Yeah, twelve and a half stages. <laughs> I, I think he can recover, Gracie. He's got plenty of time. It's just whether or not the team, you know, their, their whole plan for TDF, if he can, if they can shuffle riders around, because he wouldn't have been going. He would have gone. Been going. That's, the, that's, the, that's what I'm hearing, that he was reserving his, his, his answer for the end of the Giro, pending on his form. Okay. But before to this, he felt well, so then I'd good. Well, say he's that, definitely going. Uh, but can he go and perform? You know, can, he, can he go and be good? Gracie, what do you think? Yeah, for sure. By day at the Tour de France, definitely. I think he will definitely want to go now, and I think the team will back him up. Something that I'm finding interesting is how DSM will now pivot in, in this tour. And, and Maka, I know that you know Chris Hamilton a little bit, and I'm really backing him to get into some breakaways now and just to go all out. I think he's one for the stage tonight, really. So I'm excited to see how the team changes their tactics now that they don't have Bardet there. Yeah, that, that is actually a really good yeah. point. And I actually hadn't thought about that, what they're, because he was their man. That was it outside of that. Dernese, of course, the stage win. So they've, they've salvaged. Yeah. Well, they've already had some success, which is great. But you're right. 
now Chris Hurricane Hamilton, as we like to call him, he should be free to fly. Yeah. And he was there. He, he made that split um, last night as well in the crosswinds. So his he's, legs are good. And he's, yeah. had, he's been good at the Giro before, as we know, two years ago. Um, he had a really great, great Giro. So, yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure the SM is, is happy with their Giro. You know, they, they really are. Oh, they want more. Oh, yeah. They are the Idol price, yeah. This was, we said it. We yeah. said it a few days ago. Bardet was looking as good as any of the favourites yeah. to win Under the, the Giro, time, yeah. I thought. Yeah. So, disappointment to run, I guess. And did you know, Gracie, um, just in case you didn't know, it's been 96 grand <laughs> tours <laughs> without a French winner <laughs> in <knew>. a row. <laughs> I knew it was coming. 96. <laughs> 97 now. Because can, can go oh, it's, going to, it's going to be 97. <laughs> yeah, but when it's going to come, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be big. <laughs> it's going to be big. It's going to be big. It's like, oh, no, oh, no that's terrible. Uh, let's and I've on. got an anecdote at the end of the show. So anyway. uh, this, is, this is the ranking. And uh, he hasn't changed except the fact that uh, Bardet is not here. So therefore, uh, Jai Hinley jumps to uh, number fourth. And look who's creeping in at number 10. Alessandro Valverde. You can't get him off any top 10 or anything. Can he run top five, Gracie, Valverde? Oh, for sure. I, yeah, love to see Valverde still up there. He can, if he can potentially sneak away into a break and get a little bit of time, I think the peloton would maybe allow that. But, you know, he's he still kept on a quite a short leash. I think a lot of people are still making sure that, you know, he's not up to anything naughty. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. he, he's, he is rock solid. Uh, before we preview uh, the stage tonight, uh, let's have a little feature because we like to talk to different riders. And our, our work experience kid has been really busy doing uh, those interviews for us. And I hope you're enjoying the work of, of John Trevorrow. Uh, he's been talking to Lonson Crydock. Let's listen to him. Okay, with us, we've got uh, the Texan of the team, Lawson Craddock. Um, this is your first year with uh, with, with uh, Bike Exchange, Jaco. How have you found the the difference with an Aussie team and a and a Yankee team? <laughs> oh, it's been really great, actually. I think there's uh, yeah, there's a lot of well, a lot of amazing things about this team that have helped me uh, fit in uh, actually really easily. So uh, I'm extremely really happy to be here. It's uh, it's been a tough year so far, but uh, yeah, I mean uh, we're over the hump and uh, halfway through, and looking forward to finishing strong. Now, I've uh, been a bit of a fan of yours over the last couple of years, watching what you do, and you're obviously a very good time trial, a US uh, national champion in the time trial. But the one that really won me over was uh, the Vuelta last year when you did all that, uh, that, that work for Magnus Court. That was an amazing ride. Yeah, thank you. No, it's... Uh, yeah, that, that day was definitely a, a special day in my, my career. Uh, one of the days I'll definitely uh, remember for 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 probably the rest of my life and uh no but i'm here at the the giro uh, bike Shane jacob i'm looking forward to trying to do the same thing for for us now you've got a crucial role here because of uh it's all changed of course with, with uh, simon not being on gc but you are uh, quite strong on the flat but you also go pretty well into the hills as well so what do you see uh, as your opportunities yeah you know i i feel like i've Quite a bit of versatility and uh, in, uh, in, in in my arsenal. Um, so uh, obviously now we're we're kind of looking for opportunities to try and win stages uh, for the rest of the Giro. Um, yeah, so hopefully I can just try and maybe get in a break with some of the guys and uh, help drive it for them, and then uh, yeah, go deep and, uh, and and try to deliver some wins. Good luck, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you. 
appreciate it. So American. Even though Great. he's Texan, we yeah, like him. Texan like uh, the man <laughs> we shouldn't name. Anyway. <laughs> it's true. It's Texan uh, as well. That's true. That's uh, true. Gracie Lawson, uh, great addition to the team. He really is. I think it's really nice to hear how grateful he is to be on the team and, you know, that he's fitting in quite well. So it would have been a tough thing to leave the team that he was on. He, he'd done so well, had a good working relationship with many of the riders there. But I uh, know that from my experience, the Aussies get along pretty well with the Americans. And I always enjoyed having some of the Americans around. So I, I'm sure some of the, the guys on the Green Edge team are, are making him very welcome, as with some of the European riders as well. But as we, he was saying and, and Johnny was picking up, like he's a very versatile rider. So he could be one to watch as we go into this second half of the Giro. I think that he could be one of those riders riding into this tour a little bit. And now he doesn't have that responsibility to save himself to look after Simon Yates. Yeah, and you've just prompted me to ask you something else, Gracie. Uh, I said yesterday, Lucas Hamilton, I'd, I'd like to see him actually get a little bit of support to sort of focus on the GC. I know he's down in 16th place, but that's really what he's hopefully building into. What do you think? Do you think he should try and focus on a GC ride or should it all be about stages now? That is a good question, Macca. I'm not quite sure. I think that Lucas Hamilton has been developing into a nice GC rider for quite some years now and he's not that young anymore. He's still quite young, but I think that they're going to want to start putting a bit more pressure on him. So this is actually a perfect opportunity for him to take on a bit more pressure, try and ride as a proper GC rider with no expectation that he's even going to get into the top 10. But, you know, to, to use it as a mental training for the next time that comes along that he will be a little bit better again, have a bit more experience and potentially getting into those top 10 positions, top five podium. He's certainly capable of it, but I'm not sure if the Green Edge team is going to put a whole team of support behind him. They might just give him a couple of guys and just make him kind of figure it out for himself. Yeah, yeah. But, but I'm with you. Yeah, that's my point, I guess. It, it's a good dress rehearsal for him. He's 26, by the way. So he's at that point, isn't he, where mm -hmm. he's not young, he's not old. But as we're seeing, they're getting younger and younger, So as in the, these, these stars that are coming through. So I, I think he needs to – if he's going to deliver something big, he needs to do it in the next couple of years, mm -hmm. I think. Okay. Um, I think he can still be a great domestique, but he probably wants to be more than that. So Yeah, watch his pace. Mm. Yeah. Let's have a look at the, the uh, route for tonight. It's a little bit bumpy. Can we say this? It's Yes, <laughs> it is. The, Gracie, I reckon these are the most exciting stages. One, because it's only 147 kilometres. Two, because it's littered with short climbs, no big massive coals. But there's a couple of really steep kickers in there and they do two circuits, I think, around Torino at the end of about 30-odd kilometres. This has got all the hallmarks of a really, really tough stay. Macro, I've had this stage earmarked from the start. I think this is going to be one of the toughest stages. Uh, it's not at the most climbing. It's got about 3,000 metres of climbing, which is quite a lot, nothing to sneeze out. But because it's short and they're kind of back-to-back, -back, I think this is going to really play into the hands of riders that love the Ardennes-type classic races. Yeah. Mm. So looking at Vanderpoel potentially to get into another break, 
it might be a bit too tough for him. There might be a few more climber types that are going to, you know, put turn the screws and potentially outplay, outwit, outsmart uh, the, the likes of Vanderpoel. So I think the GC want to just take it as easy as possible, which is going to be very difficult today. The pace is going to be on. It was tough yesterday on a flat stage. You know, everyone was hurting and there was gaps forming. So I think everyone's already getting pretty tired now. There's some tough mountain stages to come. JC is going to want to keep things under the lid as much as possible. Mm -hmm. This is a day for the breakaway. So here there's a good comment here from uh, from Ian, and I'm just going to put it here. Kabna uh, for tonight in order to keep Jai and Emu fresh for tomorrow. What about that theory? Kabna for the stage win. Yeah, uh, yeah look, he's, yeah, I'd put him uh, as a potential stage winner. And he's got that problem. Well, not a problem. He'll be chasing some King of the Mountain points uh -huh. as well, Camna. Remember, Diego Rosa is the is the leader there. But it's that type of rider, I think, um, that can win the stage. I've actually, I've, in a tipping comp with a bunch of mates, I've picked Mollema. I know he was in the break You're tipping what, two with days mates. ago. You're tipping with mates and not with us. Yeah, no, we've, oh, like, we've got a big okay. tipping comp for TDF. Okay. We, we're keeping the powder dry for TDF. Oh, okay. uh, You're learning things every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think it's that type of rider, Gracie. It, it's a, maybe at Vanderpoel because he's just Vanderpoel. And then those guys, those mid-range sort of climbers. Bit hard for DeGent, Gracie? Possibly, but I'm going to repeat who I mentioned just earlier was Chris Hamilton. I think this is a really good stage for him. And, you know, it's yeah. mid-tour, not too cooked yet. <laughs> so I think that, you know, now they've lost Bardet, they're, they're going to give free reign to guys like that. And uh, I really think that he's going to get in the break tonight. So I really hope that he can go for a result. And it's a good point that teams quite often, when there's a bit of adversity in a team, they usually bounce back with, a stellar performance somewhere. They just want to prove something that yeah. it's not all about negativity and there's some some sort of fighting power. So it's a very good point for, for Lucas Hamilton. Actually. Yeah, and especially these guys, suddenly they've got a bit of free reign yeah. to go for it. So, no, it's it's a good one. You don't want to miss it. I reckon the election result might be... Um, we've told them, we've told the AEC that we <laughs> need the result yeah. by 850 <laughs> because we go on demand at 850. So <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So 850 on SBS On Demand, it's here. Uh, and, of course, 1030 on television. Uh, yeah, now just some breaking some, some, news. Yeah, some breaking news, yeah. Giacomo Nitzolo is out, Gracie, as well. Uh, just announced he will not start the stage. Not feeling well. Talking about Roman Bardet and the bugs, it can very quickly sweep through a peloton, can't it? It really can. A lot of teams bring their own chef and they're, they're very careful about their cutlery and plates. But a lot of the time, many teams just go to the hotel and there's a buffet. And often there's actually other guests in the hotel too using the same buffet. So it's not a perfect system. It's not a good bubble for a lot of teams unless they're bringing, you know, a whole nother truck with them for the food and the chef and everyone else. So it's very easy for these things to sweep through a team and many teams, unfortunately. Actually, just on that, with the Women's Tour de France this year, um, obviously we can't wait for it. It's going to be massive. How will they, how will the women's bud, team's budgets, how, how will they handle that side of things? You know, will, would some of the big teams bring their own chef or how, how do you expect that to sort of unfold, you know, behind the scenes, how they, scenes, how they manage their riders? 
most women's teams still don't have their own chef. We actually have a, an Australian ex-pro rider in Shara Marche, also known as Shara Gilo. She is the chef for yeah. SD Works, but most other teams don't. Um, mm-hmm. And they're relying on the hotels. So often the, the team will send through the requests. We have someone that has this allergy or that allergy and making sure that there's always going to be rice, pasta, chicken, salad, very basic food. Um, but sometimes you just turn up to a place and it's not quite what you wanted. So, yeah, it's not a perfect system. The teams do their best and that we do bring a lot of extra food. There's always mm. tins of creamed rice and, you know, things to make sandwiches or, or, or yogurt if you're still hungry late at night. So, you know, every every team does it a bit different, but mostly they're eating at the hotel that they're staying at that night. Yeah. You do not bring your own food to France. This is wrong. Uh, this is wrong. <laughs> you know what? You know what? This is my, my, my thoughts on French food. And this is, and this is all we have to... <laughs> <laughs> Time to wrap up my whole racing career. I don't, I'm interested, Racy, what your thoughts. I've had the best food in the world in France. And the worst. Or at least in Europe. And I've had the worst. Yeah. And, it's, and it was hotels. One hotel was just, it was disaster. It was like faulty towers. But you know, and, I, I, and then I've had the best. I've got the same with coffee. I actually bring my own coffee grinder and coffee maker because well, to France, yeah, well, to France, mate, coffee, coffee that's is rubbish. A bit of a no <laughs> coffee is rubbish in France, absolutely rubbish. <laughs> On this note, thank you, Gracie, for joining us. Uh, remember that the stage tonight, uh, and I'm sure we're all going to watch 8:50 on SBS On Demand. Thank you, Gracie. Thanks, guys, and ciao for now. Ciao, ciao for now. now. Thank you, Gracie. Thank you, Maka. Thank you. Thank I you know very much. you are aging to know about the results. Do you want to know? Do you want to know? I don't know. Do you want to know? Just come on. You're going to have to wait. This, this is a bike show. It's a cycling show. Let's just move on. Come on. Thank you for joining us. This was the uh, Zwift uh, SBS Cycling Podcast. And before we go, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to this uh, uh, podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash sports. Or you can log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Next show, same uh, place, same time, tomorrow, 6 p.m. Until then, bye for now. Before we go, a quick word from our sponsor, Zwift. When it comes to sport, I always tell my kids, rule number one, have fun. On Zwift, fun is fast. Tour de France winner, Geraint Thomas uses it. So too does Matthew van der Poel. And Australia's Neve Bradbury Zwifted her way to a world tour contract. One of my favourite things on Zwift is seeing the flags of people from all around the globe that I get the chance to ride with. I love the structured workouts, doing meet-up rides with friends, and when I'm feeling strong, doing a few races. They definitely hurt, but they are fun. It's easy to get started. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com, and hopefully I'll see you on there soon. Ride on.